Okay, so Mary, do you recall the birthday of Caroline Abbott? Not off the dome, no. Okay, so what if I were to tell you that it is October 22nd, that that is her date of birth? I mean, I I would believe you. On what might be considered a Caroline Abbott bicentennial of sorts, I recently learned some really shocking knowledge, which is that is the date that the first time Taylor Swift released an album called Red. (laughs) Oh my God. Here's why this is important. Here's why this is important. If you don't believe in signs from the universe, this is not an album I was ever particularly invested in because I have some you know, complicated past with Jake Gyllenhaal, myself, just as a fan. Okay. (laughs) Just as a fan. Got it. My entire FYP has been people anticipating the Taylor's version of this album, which comes out the day after we record or two days after we record, I shall say, by the time this is released into the world. But it first came out October 22, 2012. I'm just saying, is we are never, ever getting back together given her own kind of complicated relationship with the Brits, actually about the War of 1812 and a longstanding misunderstanding. Damn, it would actually, that's fascinating. I'm just staring into space. Like, what what does the phrase loving you is red actually mean? If you're part of the British Empire, I think you know exactly what it means. And I also want to say no one else is closing these loops except us. People are making it's all just kinds this of- show. It's just this show. This is the oh only place God. you're getting that. Wow, I kind of knew all too well. <laughs> I was there, I remember it all too well. Welcome to American Girls, everyone. This is the show where we're reliving American Girls series book by book. I'm Mary. I'm still Allison. A shock and to are us you all. are you red? Am I red? Which one of us is Taylor? Which one of us is Jack Antonoff? Which one of us is Jake Gyllenhaal? I mean, wow. None of us are Jack Antonoff. I'm going to put that on the table. I don't think that either of us is Taylor necessarily. I don't think either of us is a hidden Carly Kloss message, but who knows? Oh my. Okay. Don't even get me going down. That is like the my favorite version of taylor swift like people freaking out on the internet is the people who are like we're the real heads out here tracking her relationship with carly class like we're the only ones who understand i'm probably part of that camp but i can't actually claim to be among it because i'm not willing to do the research to the depths of these folks and i just want to say i was looking up the, <laughs> the track listing of red Oh my God. I can't fathom a 10 minute version of all too well. Like I'm not emotionally prepared for that. Nobody is like, no one is like everybody. Don't listen to that unless you're in a safe space. But have you ever heard this song, Allison? Hold on, play it. No. This is a song called Starlight. It's about the Kennedys. I can't even like this album is like, we're not prepared for this album. Starlight is basically she recreates Bobby and Ethel Kennedy's relationship from Ethel's perspective. Since she could have gone chapaquitic, she didn't. She rises above that. If I may, we are here today to discuss changes for Caroline, of course, among many other things. Taylor Swift is her own one woman American girl arc because she does her own looking back sections like other people might wait until historians or other people are willing to do that 100 years on she's not willing to do that she's like i'm my own canon i'm my own body of work and i am my own looking back and candidly you know unlike what happens at the end of this book hopefully there isn't erasure of indigenous people (laughs) hopefully not oh my god she kind of is her own living public history site though because she's equal parts obsessed with nostalgia and progress at the same time She's like, ah, wow, like, I've really, like, grown up a lot. Like, remember when I insisted on my squad and then, like, cut to her Instagram? She's like, ah, remember my squad? Like, remember them? It's a lot. She was a bridesmaid recently at Lena Dunham's wedding. And if you've not read the Vogue photo essay about that, which I did send to you immediately because I was like, I can't sit with this. I don't know how to feel. It's a lot. Like, people body shamed her after, and that was absolutely awful and inappropriate. That is not the level of my objection of what's going on there. Like, her aesthetic is so all over the place and chaotic, and she claims the Beatles' um, marriages are her inspiration. 
I can't like there's a lot going on with that. But anyway, yeah, Allison, I'm I'm already coming in hot, scattered, and you know, in some ways not like a Taylor Swift album, which is plotted and hugely well planned. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think the fact that this book ends in 1813, we know that that number has some importance. You know, we don't wow. need to talk to, about her all day because that's something that other people do. But you just came back from a very exciting trip. You were kind of Roosevelt adjacent. I was. What a time to be alive. So I went this weekend to see um, my brother-in-law just moved to D.C. So um, Anna and I went to visit him, which was very exciting. Hi, Ben. I don't think he listens, but whatever, just in case. And um, he's also a history lover. So it was nice because we could take him to some history sites. We were also joined at times by our friend, good friend, Kara. Hey, Kara. AK Bunny. And I was telling you off air that she took me to the zoo where I had like a fulfillment of a lifelong dream. We got to see the pandas and like, just so you know, the drama of this, we went in and there was a sign that was like, if it's under 45 degrees, like the pandas stay inside. And I thought that meant like out of view. So I was like, oh my God, no, like I've come to DC finally, like we're about to have this meeting. They don't care about me, but I care about them. And it's like 41 degrees at this point. And then Kara was like, no, like they're just inside, but you can see them there. I was like, okay, thank God. And you go in this building, you turn a quarter. I see a panda sitting on the ground eating bamboo. I literally like, I, because I was filming this moment, I checked it later. I screamed. There was times when I like, I couldn't control myself. It's like, you know, if you ever watch girls at the Beatles at Shea Stadium and you're like, how could anybody scream like that? I understand it now. Like I've had this experience, me and a bunch of five-year-olds screaming at pandas, but that was beautiful. And then as I told you at the end of the day, she was like, we have like an hour and a half left until stuff closes. Let's go to the Marjorie Post to say it's near here. And I've never been there. And as I was telling you, she was truly something. She, for people who don't know, she ended up, she drew her wealth from her dad started post cereal. So this was sort of a cereal site for me, no cereal swag in the gift shop, but maybe forthcoming. Became General Foods. She bought Bird's Eye. She bought all these brands and made her company huge. She had four husbands. She goes to the Soviet Union with her second husband, who's the ambassador under Roosevelt, and suddenly becomes, she's like walking around after the Russian Revolution. She's like, guys, what no one is talking about is that everyone is really sad. The imperial family is gone and everyone is going to lose their art. And that would be such a loss. And so I will take this on. Nobody asked, but I'm going to take this on. And so her entire house, which she planned to be an art museum after her death, is covered in just like insane Imperial Russian art. Like there's Fabergé eggs, like there's all of this stuff. And she was like, I wanted to preserve my house because I realized that my lifestyle of like a person who's like a billionaire who has multiple estates, like that's going away. Like we're not gonna have that anymore. So she, and it's like, wow, ma'am, if you only knew. Absolutely nuts. We had a wonderful tour guy named Gretchen. Hello, Gretchen. And basically she won my friendship because she starts by saying, they opened this commode on a day when I wasn't here, but it's beautiful inside allegedly. And she was like, all I can say is it's the last time I go to a parent teacher conference. She was like, this was my, per- like, this was my dream and I missed it. And we were like, wow, respect. Okay. Got it. Hopefully her children don't attend her tours. I mean, we hope not. It was mostly us and like elderly volunteer women who basically use this as their private hangout spot. And they're like air quotes volunteering there. And I feel like that's kind of in our future, like picking an estate to which you have like a very tangible relationship to the mission. And you're just like, yeah, I'm hanging out. They're like, literally we got there and they're like, you guys got to check out the gift shop. They're like, it's all about the gift shop, baby. Like got to get up there. But it was so fun. And and on our Patreon, we have meetup groups and we have a DC group. And and some of those folks posted on a picture. I, I have on my Instagram a picture of the estate. So if you want to see what the house looks like, check that out. And I was like, oh, I wish like we we have to have like a DC hang at some point because they were on my mind. You know, just like it would be fun to return there with other people who can appreciate ridiculousness. Absolutely. But what's going on in your world? What are you taking in? What's on your mind? We were talking about some books. We're talking about some wonderful TV shows that we're sort of saving. One of the better things that I read this week is kind of a tribute to camp thrillers and and slasher films, The Final Girls Support Group. It's a book that I've been trying to read for a while, and it was just Hmm. totally delightful and totally over the top. I've also been watching American Horror Story because, you know, the news is not enough. So, you know, those are the kind of the light that I... 
No. So um, I've been watching like the true American horror story, not American crime story. I saved that as well. Okay. Got it. So I can't, don't, don't worry. Okay. Got it. I can't handle American horror story, which I think, you know, I have seen the first episode of crime story and I do want to return to it because it was good. Beanie Feldstein as Monica is a revelation as is everyone on that show. Like I don't even care about the quality. I'm just like so invested in it. But I have to say my favorite performance that I've seen these past few weeks is Lady Gaga on her press tour for House of Gucci, which I cannot wait for. But go read her British Vogue interview. It is some of the most bonkers disclosures I've ever seen. I will. Absolutely. Like it's absolutely insane. Honestly, all of the women that we've talked about thus far on the show, I was watching these videos that American Girl made of children discussing why they like Caroline. And these two different girls said, she was very brave. That's why I like her so much. And is that not a summation of everyone we've discussed today? I think that's true. I do think that's true. You know, I think for you, that's less true of our protagonist. However, <laughs> I don't want to say it too soon, Allison. It's just, listen, this book is a whole heck of a lot. That's all I'm going to say. And, you know, maybe we should get into it. I don't know if I'm emotionally prepared for that. This book was popping out of my Vera Bradley bag because I refused to change a style choice that I adopted in approximately 2004. And I always have a new Vera Bradley bag. And a colleague said, I'm not trying to like shoulder look, an expression I'd never heard before, but I see what's popping out of your bag. And I was like, yes, it's a children's book about turning the corner in the War of 1812. He said, how was it? And I said, it was phenomenal. I loved every moment of this book. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what's beautiful about America, Allison, is like people can have different <laughs> opinions on things and coexist yes. and it's beautiful. I mean, I didn't hate this book, but it's like, I don't know if I would say it was like phenomenal. I'm taking us to the farm. We're doing this. Okay, let's go. This episode, we're so grateful to be sponsored by Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. 30 million women have weakened or thinning hair. If you're among them, there are solutions that you can use to get results. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. More than 1,500 top doctors recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code AmericanGirls. This will save you $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Get free shipping on every order and $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, Dot com promo code American Girls. So while it's very hard to summarize a work as complex as oh this my and God. the the garnet, you know, of it all. So I will begin with a very brief summary. A letter arrives for Caroline asking her to come help her uncle Aaron and cousin Lydia on their new farm for the summer. Although Caroline is reluctant to leave her family, she's eager to lend a hand. That's actually not true. So when she suspects that a thief has been stealing much needed food from the farm, Caroline helps watch to guard against the uninvited visitor. Then she makes an unexpected discovery and learns that some things are not as simple as they seem. The illustrated Looking Back explores how America began to change at the end of the War of 1812. The long arc of this book is she's supposed to go help a relative in need and basically her ulterior motive is she'd rather stay home and go to a 4th of July party. And the resolution is she gets to go to the 4th of July party. Yeah, this book opens with Inkpot, the black cat, kind of like intervening in a situation that she's involved in. And I feel like Inkpot is actually important, right, that all these different things are going to come. Chapter one is Uncle Aaron's letter. Chapter two is meeting Garnet, which I think is kind of a mislead. This is an animal on the farm. Chapter three, a big mistake. Chapter four, all alone at the farm. And chapter five, Independence Day. I'm just going to say this about this book, and I won't say it ever again. I think that Caroline could take on aliens. I don't think Will Smith could deal with the events of this book. Discuss. 
I think that's true, but I also think a difference is like Will Smith's character in Independence Day behaves as you might expect his character to behave throughout the course of the movie. There is some growth, there's some change, but really we're seeing a character confront different circumstances, including basically alien invasion. With this book, I feel like we keep seeing presentations of Caroline where it's like, we're led to believe she's X, but then she does Y. Like, for example, it's like, you're led to believe that she would be afraid of an intruder into her uncle's farm who's like stealing food from the vegetable garden, which makes sense. She's what, nine years old at this point. But then within like one scene, actually within an illustration, which proves this point, I'm turning to page 61 in my edition. We see this illustration where she looks like a Madame Alexander doll, like no flyaways, her hair is like pristine. And she's literally, she runs out with a pitchfork to chase the yes. intruder. And it just says, Caroline's fear slid away, replaced with anger. She would scare this thief so that he'd never want to steal again. And we already have been told this guy's 14 and she's nine or eight. And it's like, I'm sorry, this is not what you're led to believe this person would do. Like not in my estimation. Honestly though, there has been a moment in pretty much every single book where some, you know, like tethered ribbon inside of Caroline just absolutely snaps for good. I'm going to say this, like, I don't know that it was actually necessary to destroy the small boat that they were on when she was supposed to be offering a fishing lesson. I do think she was fully prepared to burn down more buildings. I think she enjoyed loading up her carpet to some degree as like cannonball. I think she enjoys a little bit on the edge. I think that's absolutely true. And there's a part of you that's like, oh, like you can see that she empathizes or you see her understanding difference in real time, even within her own family, which to me is like the most fascinating part of this book. But then there's times where it's like, she just goes like left, like she just turns left. It's sort of like when you read stories about people who are under extreme stress and they can like lift a car off a loved one or something. And you're like, whoa, how'd that happen? That's kind of her in this book to a certain extent. She's also majorly someone who doesn't like to be aware that she's disappointed people. So she gets a sense, as is often the case, right? There's kind of body language communication that her family wants her to go to Aaron's farm. She doesn't want to go, not just because of 4th of July. She hates things that disrupt her schedule, right? Unless it's something she's chosen. She's very unhappy about that, but she does it while she is taking care of the animals on uncle Aaron's farm with her cousin, she completely messes up the feed schedule. And in a section that I'm calling freak a leak, the animals go and eat leeks, which makes their milk really stinky and really unappetizing page 66. It will taste like leeks. I feel like Aaron knew exactly what he was doing. Wow. From there, we have a moment that I'm going to call her Hummel time, which is she ends up basically rescuing a family. This book to me is very much in the template of all of the other ones, which is wildly unpredictable. We're all over the place. And the girl loves a new setting. Like we're on a farm now. Yeah, I think my problem with this book, it kind of took me back to book three or whatever the book was, where she was basically spending a book manipulating her peers to do something she wanted. I just felt like the degree of her privilege came out in this book in a way that was sort of like off-putting to me where it's like, okay, you see her like trying to do nice things and putting herself out there. But we also see like what a trial that is for her to have to do something, as you say, outside of her schedule. Like basically the book opens with us getting a letter like her. She sees her dad and he's like, I'm drawing ships like I could never draw ships in jail. And like, I'm dreaming of ships I could build. And she's like, okay, cool. Like, won't Independence Day be fun? And he's like, uh, yes. And she's like, I missed my skiff, but like, I did sink it on purpose. Like, oh, well. A letter comes from her uncle that's like, my my wife's sister is deathly ill. She took off to care for her. We need Caroline. She has like an hour to pack. And Caroline clearly doesn't want to do this. And the whole way there, she's like, oh, my God. I did love the description where she's, like, getting thrown around on the wagon, which felt very sensory. And she was like, this is not as smooth as traveling by water, which, like, co-sign, I agree with that. But then she gets there, and it's like, there's this moment where she's like, oh, wow, this is my cousin and my uncle, and their farm and their life is nowhere near as comfortable as my house and my life. And she has empathy for them, and it kind of quells her you know, sass at having to be bothered in doing this. But it's also kind of like, I don't know, the challenges that she faces there, 
like the freak league moment or the nini leaks moment as you might say like that's kind of on her and it's not like she does feel sad that she's ruined the milk or she thinks she's ruined the milk but it's more like she's embarrassed that she made a mistake and that they're going to know that she made a mistake and you know so i think like in story in the terms of the story it would have been interesting if in that moment somebody would be like look like for the girls reading this in 2000 whatever like it's okay to like you're human people make mistakes it's not a big deal but it's like just good to kind of like get used to that and not let your pride get in the way because i felt like the way the story rolled out like she kind of maintained that shame around making a mistake and then she kind of feels further shame because when she goes to the Hummels, not their name, but like the Hummels in this book, they're like, oh, like milk. My sister would love that. The 14 the year old who's been stealing from their garden, she catches them, of course, because she's eight or nine. And that's how that would work. And he's like, oh, my God, you have milk like my sisters would love that. And she's like, yeah, it tastes like leeks. That's my fault. And he was like, they won't care. And then she's like, oh, my God. It was like almost kind of a Josefina shame moment where she's like, ah, like not only did I ruin my uncle's milk, but now these people are so bad off that they don't seem put off by drinking milk that tastes like leeks, which makes me feel worse about my privilege. Like there was a lot going on there. It was a very Samantha style book in that we get taken to a second location, if you will, and we learn about kind of a different way of living. What really struck me while reading this book is that this young man that she ends up interacting with, the person who's been stealing food and stealing from the neighboring properties to take care of his family, we find out that his mother is a widow and that's part of the context and that it relates to the war. But I kept thinking how similar this was in some ways to what her own father had been doing. Like her father had been living in the woods. And I kind of kept thinking that as an adult reader, we were almost led to believe that her father probably also did similar things, mm -hmm. except that her father was better able to catch fish and had a few more skills to be independent. I thought that was actually kind of interesting to think of that she's very quick at first to judge this young man, this Robbie, is his name Robbie? Is it that literal? I think his name is. Am I misremembering? My goodness. Is his name Robbie? I would love if. Oh, Let's it is cruise. Robbie. It is Robbie. Oh, my goodness. Robbie the thief. All right. Here we go. Robbie the robber. So anyway, Robbie is kind of orbiting around these different properties and people are very upset. And I think part of what actually strikes at a pretty accurate tone for the time period is she looks down upon him, right? Like she doesn't respect what he's doing. And then she learns that he is missing his father, that his father served his country. And when Caroline and the others can kind of put them into the proper frame of charity that they're comfortable with, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually very representative of the time. Right. Yeah, I think it is, too. And I think there's we're supposed to draw that conclusion in, in large part because he's very explicit in saying his father was killed in the Battle of Sackett's Harbor, where her father also fought and Caroline, if depending your view of it, she was willing to torch everything. So I'll count that as military service. Um, but I think it actually this book opens a really interesting question into kind of the how you understand the rights and obligations of citizenship in this moment. So if you serve your country and you're a veteran and he Robbie explains that his what his mother and his sisters have trailed behind the army to doing laundry and they've kind of been getting compensation in, in the form of food and shelter through this. But once you're widowed, you can't follow the army anymore unless you are willing to remarry immediately, which she wasn't willing to do. So what are the obligations or what are the, what rights does she have as a widow who lost her husband to military service? Because what you're seeing is like essentially she has none and they're holed up in an abandoned farm and Caroline and then her uncle have to help them. So that's a bit of a shock. I think we're also as adult readers who know a bit more about the period. One of the first places that my mind went to is there are, of course, women who are camp followers, but that has a whole other right. connotation in the 19th century. So it's to me, it's not as if like what you're saying is exactly right. And there's this additional layer, which is that women who have a different sense of reputation. I'm not trying to bring Taylor Swift into everything, but I'm just wow. putting it out there. They can stay with camps, but it does also cre create them as kind of social pariahs, unfortunately, in other ways. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of othering her and the whole family. And you do get this sense of like shame. Like in our world, we would say, 
wow, this woman lost her husband to military service. Like, you know, you wouldn't feel shame for her. You would say you she would be respected in society and people would voluntarily offer assistance. And we have a, a series of veterans benefits to which she would be um, subject. But, you know, in their world, it's like there is a sense of shame around that. And I do wonder if like right. we're projecting that because we know this other affiliation with that phrase or is that how it would have felt in the time? It's also interesting that the way that Robbie frames it is that his mother's only choices are to remarry or to move on, right? Like that she Mm -hmm. would have to almost rapid fire marry another soldier. And he says that she can't because she's brokenhearted. And I think kind of knowing as we do and because people are more open about this now, she may also not want to commit to a very similar situation, right? Like the war is not actually over. She could be widowed twice in a short period of time. Also, I think part of what we're maybe led to believe or we can kind of infer with some of the scenes with the father is that he's trying to readjust to civilian life. And I think it hasn't been since Addie that we have had a father who goes away and comes back. And we've had these kind of intimate scenes of readjustment. And that's actually been one of my favorite parts about this book is that a lot changes, but it changes in a pretty tight time frame of one summer to one summer. And we're actually able to appreciate in her going from, you know, age 10 or like age nine to age 10. She does change a lot, I think. I don't know if I see her changing a lot. I think something that I appreciate, the things I appreciate about the books are mostly taking place away from Caroline. So, I mean, it's not like I dislike Caroline as a person, but to me, it's like, it's not interesting to watch a privileged person experience a difficult time because she ends up being privileged across the books. And so her challenges don't really feel that difficult. I mean, I think obviously being away from her father was really difficult and, you know, the stress on the family to maintain the business, et cetera. I don't know. There's just something about her character that I'm not fully, I don't know. Um, But I do appreciate the world that the author is creating for us. And I think something that is really resonates with me is how precarious life was for everybody in this time. So even just seeing her uncle clearing tree stumps and trying to create larger fields to create more of a harvest so they can literally survive the winter, like you can see how precarious their lives are. And never mind Robbie and his family, and even the boarders who have lived with Caroline's family who have followed themselves a, a military officer during war and in peacetime like a lot of this you can just appreciate like how one small thing could completely complicate and challenge your just a basic ability to survive i think where caroline wins me over is its lines like page 31 i'm needed here I kind of love Caroline's sense of self-importance. Like, I think that I find that very endearing because she is 10 years old. I will say something I have found consistently distracting and something that I think changes our relationship to her as readers, adults or otherwise. Caroline looks like a J. Crew model. She looks like a J. Yeah. Crew model on every single cover in every single illustration. And the illustration where she is running with the pitchfork, part of why I think it maybe doesn't land in the way that it could, I could fully picture Molly losing it and using a garden tool as a weapon. And I'm sure that she did during the Korean War for reasons that we can't even FOIA an answer to. With Caroline, I think there is something incredibly distracting about her dress. And I think if she had been pared down throughout the books and didn't look like she was going to an Austin era ball, I think we would feel differently about her. I think that's definitely a contributing factor. Like I actually kept thinking about Madame Alexander dolls reading this book, like her appearance in illustrations is so well coiffed like no flyaways no dirt on her dress or her person like you read about her spending hours in the garden weeding and then the illustrations show no dirt of any kind and even just walking around in the world like it was not like a clean place in the sense that we might have expectations of it even just walking down a street and for the illustrations not to kind of reflect even like over the course of the books it would have been interesting if we saw her looking more harried mm-hmm. 
and then maybe return like a return at the end. But it's almost like she's gotten more and more like Abercrombie and Fitch model teen as we move through these books. And that's distracting. But I also keep thinking about the phrase like she vacations in a place where other people live. And I feel like that's what bothered me about the plot of this book. Like essentially she arrives to vacation, not really, but like assist a family member that clearly is of a lower station, really struggling, super precarious. She is doing her best to assist them, but also like doesn't really want to be there. And then it was disappointing that at the end of the book, like the first chance she gets to leave, she's like, okay, bye. Like her uncle is like, so you could go back to your parents for the Independence Day celebration if you want. And she's like, okay, see ya, bye. Like, and that's very anti-Little Woman to me. Like, Beth would not do that, like, to her own detriment, as we learned. True. But that also kind of took me out of it. This holiday season, we are so excited to be sponsored by StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It's a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter most. Each week, StoryWorth will email your relative or friend a thought-provoking question that you get to choose. One example is what's the bravest thing that you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? After one year, StoryWorth will compile all of your loved ones' stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. I gave StoryWorth to my mom and we were able to keep her book and actually give copies to my niece, who was just born last year. We talk about the stories in that book all the time, including how she met my dad in their first date. Reading these stories can connect you to loved ones no matter how near or far apart you are. With StoryWorth, I'm giving those I love the most a thoughtful personal gift right from the heart. It's also a way of preserving stories so that you have them for years to come. Go to storyworth.com slash American Girls Pod and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash American Girls Pod to save on your first purchase. How needed do you think she actually was in terms of labor, considering her contributions as mixed as they were? And how much do you think she was actually needed as a companion to her cousin Lydia? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, I so I yeah, go ahead. I think to some degree, the difficulties were kind of trumped up a little bit. Not that they weren't struggling, but the reality is like things on the farm can go either way. But also the fact that they are extremely tight with family in Sackett's Harbor and mom and dad, I'm just going to say, are basically war profiteers at this point and seem to be doing just fine. Caroline could basically sell one carpet, one of her like toys for ink pot. And I feel like this farm, I don't sense that this is a family overall that struggles. And I think that's part of why Robbie and company are kind of brought in as a contrast because they are living in a literal shack in the woods. And despite how much we hear about Caroline's cousin and uncle struggling they, they are struggling in the sense that they are like getting something off the ground, but they are not destitute. They're not destitute, but it's also like they don't have like 100% food security. Like when you hear about their meals, no. the meals are very bare. It's literally like what they can grow and whatever. And like literally Caroline at one point is like, ooh, I should have brought some food with me. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe you should yeah. have. Like, But even like her having that self-awareness as a 10-year-old, like looking around at dinner time and being like, ooh, like I should have brought some food. There is something to that where I'm like, what happened between Caroline's mom and her brother? I presume it's her mm. brother. Wherein Caroline's mother seems very generous with the privilege of the family and yet, like, her brother is living on this farm that's, like, literally a one-room cabin and the spring house, which was fascinating to read about, and the little, like, outbuilding and not much, like, cleared land. And they're like, yeah, Caroline, like, you be brave out there. Like, we're going to stay here, but you be brave out there. I kept thinking, like, actually, they should have sent Grandma because she would have been, like, <gasps> They would it. never. That Grandma would never. Why? Grandma would never. Grandma is not here for your low stakes game. She's here for high stakes espionage. You think grandma can get away on 4th of July weekend? No. Well, I grandma think if they said, busy. grandma, look, somebody is stealing food and our only evidence is red thread caught in the garden gate. She would have been like, okay, interesting. See, I'm sorry. 
I loved that. I loved the detective work where they said yes. none of us own garments with red thread, which I feel like was also supposed to be a kind of signifier of like, we do still know like exactly what we have going on here. I do feel like that was kind of a red herring. Like, I didn't know what that was supposed to tell me about Taylor Swift. I didn't learn anything about Taylor Swift in that moment. I do feel like I appreciate that when she does get, when Caroline does get reunited with her family, her father talks about how like she's grown, right? Like relative to where she started in the books, he says, you know, the fact that she went and did help the family, it helped me realize how much you've grown up since the war began. I think he's trying to give her some credit where it's due because book one, she's mucking about on the deck of the ship. She's creating a small crisis with that. She's complaining to the local paper boy, mail delivery person, I should say. She's causing kind of like little problems around her own drama and obsessing over a rug. And by book six, she is helping family. She is like, I think a lot more aware of people in the world. Um, and I feel like she's prepared to use that pitchfork. I mean, I guess. I mean, I don't really think she's grown that much. Like, I think she's still a person who's like, I would like to go to my Independence Day celebration. And even though I hear my aunt's sister is dying and like my uncle needs me, like, I mean, she's 10. Like, that's how 10 year olds think. So I don't think it's like. But that's human, too. Well, that's like, what I'm you can saying. Help like, I'm saying and not want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean. Like, you can do it and be like, I would rather be at a party. But when right. she's there, she's a very active, helpful person. I think because she likes Lydia mostly. Yeah. But I mean, I think she was that at the beginning of the series, too. Like, to give her credit. Like, I don't think she was like, you know, a brat and then became like a saint like I think she's been like kind of on an even keel for most of the series but I think like things have changed around her which is like more interesting to see like how the town has changed around her and like the dad and her and grandma and all these things and just seeing like kind of like us being a proxy for her like we're witnessing it with her and that's kind of interesting the pitchfork thing threw me big time I'm mostly disappointed in Aaron. I don't know. I really am not convinced that he has the business savvy to pull this off. And like, I do blame him. I feel like this was a poor investment. There's a war on. And I feel like the family clearly has some enterprises that are going very well. And there's this family lineage, right? Whether it's by marriage or by birth, where we have grandma as a high level spy and double agent. We have mom who's willing to like save the shipyard and runs a really tight ship in every way possible. And then I just, I'm sorry, I'm kind of putting this on Aaron. I was doing some reading about like the myth of the like purpose of the family farm in the late 18th and early 19th century. I think Aaron is a poor businessman and everyone should not have to suffer for that. I completely agree with you. That's my opinion. I completely agree with you. And I also think even if we're in an era where childhood isn't doesn't super exist and children are treated as little adults or whatever, I still think the moment in the book where he's like, hey, guys, I'm going over to the neighbor's house to help them cut hay. Um, Lydia, you're going to be like, he leaves them alone together for the first day. Caroline goes fishing by herself or no, the second day he brings Lydia with him. Caroline's left entirely alone on their farm where they know and readily expect a thief to be hiding in the woods to come out and steal food from them. And God knows what else. And he leaves her alone to protect the cow and calf and the food and the land. And it's like, I'm sorry, in what world is that a responsible thing to do? That's on him. That's on like, him. Like, I was so scared for her because, like, if I was her, I would have been absolutely petrified. And, like, credit to her, she, you know, seemed to roll with it. Not only that was, like, wielding a pitchfork at one point, but I was like, what? What? Like, how can you do that? I'm sorry. The entire situation with Garnet and the entire situation with the poor tasting milk, that's on him. Where was the training schedule? Where was the training schedule? Caroline is from a coastal maritime community. She has a lot of skills that I'm sorry. I also feel like if we're really in that much of a pinch, like we needed to think more broadly about what she's bringing to the table. She doesn't know how to farm. No, she doesn't know how to farm. Does he know how to farm? Does anybody I will say this, Panda Incognito, whose reviews that I have read for years with rapt attention, was very disappointed in this book. Yeah, I was too. I would love to hear why they were disappointed. 
So part of what they questioned was why this ends in an agrarian setting versus the settings that we become accustomed to. To quote Panda, nothing in the previous books foreshadows this, and it's an abrupt and total shift. It teaches kids about farm life, but plenty of other books do that. This book does not fit with the rest of the series and seems tacked on. I think that's true. I was actually thinking about sort of what my issue was with the structure of this book or the pacing of it. And I think actually an interesting model is Little Women in a sense, because the arc of Little Women where they expect they're going to have the celebration of Christmas with Marmee, and then she has to go help the Hummels. And then she ends up like she gives them gifts and then they end up using it to give her a gift and buy some things to celebrate. It's sort of like, I think in some ways, like maybe that was the intention to kind of like show her growth, like through that kind of arc. But really what ends up happening is she wants to go to the Independence Day celebration. There's a whole host of like sacrifice that she has to make in the middle part of this book. But at the end, it's not like she stays and like sacrifices something like her rug in book one to benefit the community. She ends up like actually returning getting the celebration that she so treasures and gets the sloop back that she thought was gone forever. So I think there's something about it that just feels like sort of uneven or all over the place. I do think of Caroline as a vessel for like understanding a privileged white girlhood in this time period, it ends exactly as it should, which is she goes to a party. Like literally there is still a war on and she goes to a party. She's like, can't wait for the orations. Can't wait to spend time with dad. And her father, I think this is part of the plotting of the book. Her father creates a skiff called the Miss Caroline and anoints her the captain of this boat. And I think part of the device of what needed to happen in this book is Caroline needs to disappear because she can't get her nose out of the shipyard and they need to build this for her. So she goes off screen and has this other adventure. I feel like the arc of the book was always that Caroline is going to be captain of her own ship. But I feel like as a metaphor for girlhood or womanhood, it's like also kind of meaningless. He's like, you're captain of this ship, like the one that I made for you for basically our backyard. Yes, exactly. And I also thought it would stop asking. And the thing that you're supposed to take away from it is like, actually, I think it's the resolution of his crisis of masculinity after being a prisoner, because he's like, "Okay, well, I built this ship for you. So I'm like reasserting myself as head of the family and I'm the man here. And then you can basically take this gift like out and do whatever you want recreationally because the whole point of like me being the head of this household is that I can make a a show of the fact that my daughter has to do no meaningful labor. Like she can help around the house, but she can also have all this recreation in a very public way. And that's just something about my success that I can afford to do this for her. And I think that that's sort of telling too about like where her like early adulthood is going that, you know, like that says something about the place of the family in Sackets Harbor. I love that for her. Like I am glad ultimately, like as a book that I want to sit and read, I do feel like part of what this captures for us as adult readers who kind of know what else is happening. Like Caroline doesn't know that this war is going to end. And because of poor communication across the world like a very important battle is going to be fought by a future president and there is going to be aggressive territorial expansion after this war that affects indigenous people horrendously i feel like the fact that this ends with her dad being like i always knew you could like rock steady on a little boat and she's like yep she's like thanks dad I do feel like for an encapsulation of the way that the War of 1812 both did and did not affect ordinary people in some of these communities, I find it fascinating that people like Hosea Barton have totally dipped out. Interesting. Yeah, I I noticed that too. And I think that's a really interesting point, especially too, because it's like the things in the periphery of this book where you might actually ask interesting or tough questions about if citizenship is a series of rights and obligations, like to whom do we see that applying in this book and in this world? Like Jose is gone. So like, we're not really going to have a conversation about like what this is going to mean for him or if his life's changed at all. And also like the not for nothing, but like Robbie's mom is off scene, like off screen in this book for most of the book. And you do have to wonder, like, this is an early period of pensions for widows 
of veterans, like that system is just really being developed and will primarily apply to veterans of the revolution, but also the War of 1812. But I mean, they're paying out, they're still like paying out pensions in the 1870s and so on from this era. So it's like, it takes a long time for this bureaucracy to really get going. So it's like, well, what's her life gonna look like? You know, I don't know. It's not gonna be good for Robbie's mom. Let's admit that. I have a suggestion for Robbie's mom and her family, and I'm not sure if they're ready to sit with this, but I read an article about the Shakers at Lebanon. And basically, okay. they used the War of 1812 to create a public conversation. Allison's shaking <laughs> her head, but this is real. Like in two counties in New York where the war was very unpopular, there was a like countywide meeting where they basically were like, we are rejecting the federal move, um, federal attempt to call up the New York militia to fight in the War of 1812 because we don't think that we think that's unconstitutional. And we don't want to do this, so we're not going to do this. And then basically they end up having to fight. But the Shakers were like, okay, while you guys are talking about this, if we could just weigh in for one second, like we do not believe in war and we will not, we, as you know, we have not shown up for the uh, militia drills. They have to pay a $2 tax because they refuse to take part in the militia drills. And they use this moment or like, can we have our money back? Because actually, isn't this about what you all fought your revolution about, like taxation without representation? And, you know, if anyone wants to come join our community, like we don't believe in war and, you know, like we're here to like take care of folks and it doesn't end well for them. But people are like, nice try shakers and like start people start investigating them. But long story short, I was like, you know, Robbie and his mom and sisters, like if depending on how the mom feels like they could join Lebanon. I feel like what actually happens is Robbie's mom and company show up to the village. And as you know, they declare those kids orphans. Robbie's mom becomes a different kind of camp follower and (sighs) dies in a gutter per literature of that period. I actually think that that could actually happen. And meanwhile, they're like, Robbie, like, don't you love being a shaker? Like, you ready to take those vows, boo? And he's like 18 and he's like, I "Uh, think he does. I think he probably would because he's like, look, I am, when I think of women, I think of a woman chasing me with a pitchfork and so i can't like actually get beyond that so if that's what it means to be married in the world i don't think i can take that on yeah i don't i don't really see like the best future for robbie i would love to say that i could see something different but this book also is what led me into war of 1812 reddit oh you can react to that however you'd like and War of 1812 TikTok. And I will say something that I had already apparently chosen to jettison from my brain was the fact that when the coup in Washington happened on January 6th of 2021, there were conversations and there were tweets actually by political leaders that there hadn't been such a concerted violent attack on the actual Capitol since 1812. And those comparisons, I think, are really pretty fascinating, right? There are obvious differences. But I also learned that there is a whole subculture of War of 1812 aficionados, I will not say experts, of reimagining how maps would look different if the United States had won or if the concessions had gone differently. Mm. I will also say there is a kind of counter history happening in the looking back And just to acknowledge, I am sure that a committee of people worked and reworked and workshopped this language so that other people would feel comfortable with it. And considering the conversations about critical race theory, I have no doubt that that's what happened. On the very last pages of the book, we get these two kind of ideas that so clearly fit together, but the connection is not drawn. We learn that as a result of people creating farms such as Uncle Aaron's, Native American ways of life were also changed forever. This is very much a kind of assessment or summation that we see in a ton of these changes books where it's like, and all of these things changed. We won't tell you what they are. We also have this idea put forward. The promise of land and opportunity brought people to the frontier from all over the world. And I actually was kind of reading this book from the perspective of looking back on all the American girl stories This is priming us to see a character like this looking back is priming us to see a character like Kirsten, not as part of a violent pattern of dispossession that goes over and over, but as a plucky farm story. Right. Like, that's what I actually think is kind of dark about us going to like Uncle Aaron time. 
I also just find it kind of suspect that she's like so close with cows. <laughs> what do you no, mean? No, I don't feel like we had any. So she's a cat lover. We don't just map on to other animals that easily. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was an interesting plot twist. That none of that plot line really made a whole lot of sense to me, except that I think it was to set up that she could protect them and that they would listen to her when she led them away from their enclosure to hide somewhere else. But yeah, that that was mysterious. The peek into the past was very strange, like for the reasons you've named. It kind of reminded me of the McCullough book, The Pioneers, which recently had like a image of a sh- like an empty West. And sh- this peek into the past is almost like foreshadowing like that interpretation and reflecting interpretation that happened long before it also is very passive in the language like it's like um native americans lives changed forever it's like well who changed it right right and like why won't we name that and you know they talk about like they kind of hint at andrew jackson in the battle of new orleans and it's like well how did that happen and what did that mean like that was not a victory for everybody there's also some weird throwaway language that's like after this war the united states decided they would never be look at canada as an enemy again (laughs) it was like what (laughs) it's like and they have always been friends i do find it fascinating that the way that we lead up to caroline learning that she can be captain of her own skiff captain of her own her own kind of vessel is her father literally has her close her eyes. And I'm not trying to read too much into this, but he basically leads her off and she's like, can I look, can I look? And he says, you can look now. And she's kind of confused at what she's actually seeing. And then they launch right into this wonderful and exciting 4th of July. Again, if I I think if you kind of imagine her as telling a bigger story about the period, I've been thinking a lot about how people who are very young right now who are living through this period of time, the fact that so many comparisons were made between January 6, 2021 and the burning of the Capitol during the war of 1812. And I've already kind of chosen to rearrange that information. Mm -hmm. I think what we're seeing is her father kind of leading her down a process that happens all the time, which is we need to forget about this. Mm -hmm. We need to move on from this. We need to deal with this because we don't actually know what's happened to him. And I think something that is always fascinating about American Girl is which familial traumas play out on the main screen Mm -hmm. and which don't. And as I was eating a breakfast sandwich, reading this book in a beautiful IHOP, IHOP wow. has a happy hour. They are not a sponsor, but I learned Wait. that this week, 2 to 10 p.m. at your local IHOP. Okay, thank you. I'll check that out. <laughs> as I was eating my breakfast, Sammy, and having my glass of orange juice, I was actually wondering, of course, the letter from Aaron was real, but how much of this was her needing to be away so he can build the ship. How much of this is his crisis project? How much of this is her helping Lydia? And I guess where I see so much positive in Caroline is we're never kind of weighed down by the baggage of how she's dealt with all of this change, even though it's there, it's on the surface. We're seeing from an adult perspective, all of these different ways where people are just trying to make this work Mm -hmm. and that she often is a positive change maker in people trying to do that. I think so. I mean, I I think like for me, I think what I'm learning about different stories is even though Josefina was really tough for me for a lot of like personal reasons and I'd never read it growing up. So it was all fresh to me too. There was something I felt like we got way more of her internal life in a way that we didn't with Caroline. So even some of the stuff that just seems sort of like your privilege and you don't really get the context of what's going on here or like just someone being 10 years old, I think with maybe a little bit more of her internal life or some other context, like it would have felt, it would have hit different for me. But I actually came through this book and was way more interested in all the peripheral characters' lives. Like grandma fascinates me. I love her. She's my favorite character. And even the mom, like thinking about like the challenge of her life, thinking about how she's getting to step into her husband's shoes and his business and have this kind of like professional role that she had before. And then presumably he will take her place. They're described as going to work together at the beginning of the book, which is interesting, which is actually why I thought this whole arc of the book is really about the dad reclaiming his role as the head of the family and everyone else having to like retreat to their previous positions and then wondering what like the next five years of their lives look like. Like, how does the mother negotiate having to retreat 
from a professional she may have actually enjoyed in some way. We think about that. Notably, mom is not partying. Mom no. is not partying at 4th of July. She's not. And I actually wondered about that. Like, where is she? Is she sort of like, you know, I don't know what she was doing. But to me, she's like the Rosie the Riveter of the War of 1812. Like, she's the person who, in a, you know, if you view Rosie the Riveter as like women who had the privilege of being at home, who then have to go to work during the war and then have to retreat to it. Not everyone had that option. But if she's that archetype for Roar of 1812, like, what is her internal life looking like? I think she's not just going to go back to grandma's prescribed baking days and just the way that it was. Yeah. And what's interesting with the baking days is like Caroline's described as never having enjoyed those. Like she dreads those. Right. So then what's it going to mean? Like is the boat then this gift that she gets at the end sort of her escape plan for moments when she doesn't want to take on any of like the gendered labor of her household that's more kind of prescriptive or you know conduct that she should or like things she should know as a lady of the house even if like class-wise she doesn't necessarily have to make all the bread right you know i don't know like that's why i was like geez i would love to know like what their lives look like over the next five ten years or something like that I do recognize the deep irony in me pointing this out, but if you've noticed pretty much every American girl, unless they're doing the cooking or the caretaking in like a very specific context, they all pretty much buck against it. Like I feel like Felicity is the most notable where she doesn't want to make the apple butter, but I do find it kind of interesting, right? It's only when it's like extremely special to them. For example, Kirsten wants to make special treats for her family or Addie wants to be involved in a certain process and is teaching her mother to read. And I actually wonder if we're going to encounter a young person who gets a lot of pleasure and is very skilled at that. Mm. I think we've gotten in like bits and pieces where people being good at certain kinds of other domestic and gendered female tasks, but for the most part, they really do all buck against it. It's just taken for granted. Like, I'm a cool girl. I'm a ship girl. Of course, I don't want to cook pies with grandma. Right. Or like, I'm spunky. Like, I'm going to go out and sail my skiff. Like, I'm not going to be like all the other girls. And it just also makes me reflect that, like, we never describe boys as spunky. And, like, right. there's many American girls described with that word. Molly is preeminent among among them. Yeah, so I don't know. It's just, it's very, it's interesting. I don't know what it all means. Thankfully, we have other people who are going to help us tell us what it all means. Yeah, thank God we have some true experts coming to join us on this show. Yeah, I almost don't even know where to begin. We are going to be talking to someone who is extensively experienced. We asked her to come on the show and she sent me nine DMs in response with a very, very specific story about the reclamation of an 1812 ship and some Oliver Hazard Perry gossip. So like if that sentence made any sense to you, you need to come back and listen to this interview. We have a lot of really, really cool things in the works. I don't want to give any of them away, but we've gotten really inspired by a lot of your Caroline Craft projects, and we have really cool things coming up. I'm just going to say it like if I was an adult straight up and I was asked to read all of these books, Tabula Raza, I think I'm a Caroline. Oh, boy. Okay. I think that's kind of like deciding as an adult that you're going to move to another country. It doesn't make you the ethnicity of the people who historically have been there. Like I am a Molly genetically, but I think an affiliation I have is Caroline adjacent. Interesting. Okay. I mean, that's your truth. You have to own that. It's like the people on TikTok who are like, did you know you could move to Sweden to go to school? And it's like, I didn't know that, but I mean, I guess you can choose that for yourself and see where it goes. I don't believe I'm a Caroline. So that's an interesting difference between us. But, you know, that's that's what keeps it interesting. I picture Molly. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Caroline. She's how like it's gotten into my brain. You're in too deep. I picture Caroline by the crisis of 1837. Caroline has already buried a lot of gold bars. Caroline has invested really, really well. She's on like her 10th skiff. She owns a yachting business. I picture her kind of as like a light social drinker, but also as someone who gives to benevolent charities and then never follows up. I think in my head, she's sort of like grows up to be like a Betsy DeVos. Like she's the relative of a war profiteering company who attempts to sway public policy based on her own cash reserves. 
I don't want that for her. I don't want that for her either. But I'm just saying, like, that's sort of like when you're saying she has enough gold bars and this and that. It's like, I'm worried. Like, what if that's what she... Like, if she was in Congress, she might vote against the spot resolutions. Like, not to... I feel like I have to mention... Think- we have to mention them on every Caroline episode. The spot resolutions they, have to come into... They are a sponsor of this show, so I do have to mention them. Mary, realistically, I was going to try to rewrite the words to Oh, Captain, My Captain, the famous Walt Whitman poem oh about... To be about Caroline. And I very quickly gave up that project because it's kind of a disrespect to Mr. Abraham Lincoln my childhood favorite president, but I kind of feel like, again, like not to bring Will Smith back into this or Walt Whitman. Please do. I kind of feel like where Walt Whitman would fumble, Caroline would thrive. That's all I'll say. I think that's probably true. I mean, I think she would, from her childhood experiences forward, have developed enough administrative prowess that when she herself, say if she wanted to volunteer as a nurse during the Civil War, like she would have brought some real like administrative energy to this. She trained Louisa May Alcott. A lot of people don't know that. I mean, she walked so Florence Nightingale could run. She actually was doing an embroidery that was discovered later by other scholars where she started to write out in West Sackett's Harbor, born and raised in the shipyard (laughs) is where I spent most of my days chilling out, maxing, relaxing, acting all cool till Uncle Aaron. But like people weren't ready for that. So it had to be resurrected later. But that is actually part of her origin story. People just don't know that. They don't want to deal with that, that truth of her past. Wow. American Gothic is also actually just a remix of her with the pitchfork. (laughs) In her elder years. She's like, this is my childhood memory I'm bringing into this. Did you ever, did you read any of the stuff coming out about Will Smith's memoir, by the way? I have not, but I would be very interested. Okay, I think we might have to read this book because the stuff I'm seeing teased is like crazy. Normally, they only tease like one or two things to get people interested before it comes out. The things they're teasing are like he genuinely was like, I thought about murdering my dad and I could get away with it because I'm one of the greatest actors in the world. (laughs) Okay, yeah. But then, but then, so it's like, okay, you're like, uh, what? And then he's like, yeah, Jaden wanted to be emancipated at 15. It was like, because he didn't trust my leadership after I had him be in a movie that bombed. And I'm like, what is this memoir? Like, I need to get my hands on it. Like, I'm just, I have a lot of questions. I do think no one has made me doubt the framing our government, framing of our government and some of our foundational language more than when I watched The Pursuit of Happiness with a Y in a theater. I can't. I've never seen that. And I feel like it's, I should never see that. I don't know. I think about that movie all the time. Why? Tell me, like, give me some info. Um, He locks himself at one point and his son in a bathroom in a very like Robbie and mother type situation. And and that is that is one of my stressors that I would be in a situation where I would have to lock myself in a bathroom overnight in a public space. So do I think that's going to happen? I don't know. But that is like a scene I think about all the time. Okay, that's not good. But that's like that's terrifying. This is stressful. I can never see that movie. No. Now, we have so many other things. So we are open to like Will Smith. I love when people give us suggestions. Also, we do have on the docket that we're reading Cultish for November. And we are reading Anderson Cooper's Vanderbilt Dynasty book for December. Next year is wide open. Like make your suggestions now. We love to hear them, especially if there's memoirs and contemporary. We love to do that. We definitely love to do that. I still think about the Jessica Simpson memoir all the time. She posted a throwback photo of herself celebrating her sober anniversary. I was very proud of her. I feel like we've been on the journey with her. Mariah Carey is like kind of doing the most. It's approaching her peak season of the year. And, you know, I'm also thinking about her. But yeah, our Patreon is like truly insane, but also such a gift. And our Discord community is like genuinely a highlight in our lives. And, you know, we accept suggestions for different channels where people can talk about themed content. So if you want to come on and talk about D&D or, you know, what you're listening to or things you're watching or crafting or parenting issues or whatever it's all there and it's all happening and it's one of the few positive places left on the internet although i'm guessing we're not counting where 1812 reddit is one of those unclear it's not all positive i'm going to tell you it gets really complicated really fast War of 1812 tiktok is generally pretty positive but also a lot of people putting eyeballs on maps they've made okay i like that which is fine the eyes are not 
No, so they do the eyeball oh. feature and they do like green screen. It's fine. It's lovely. It's a lot of like pro Canadian content, which I'm not inherently against, but you know, you've all heard me on the Star Spangled Banner. You kind of know where I'm at. <laughs> yes. And that reminds me that there is a, a great Canadian drama on Netflix right now. Of It's an episode of a show about sports controversies, and it's about the couple skating cheating oh. controversy that was at the 2002 um, Salt Lake City Olympics where the Russians corrupted a French judge to vote for them for the gold, and the Canadians had skated clean. And anyway... If you would like an hour of your life to be defined by Winter Olympic drama, like please check that out and get back to us about it. And Mary, if people want to talk to you about that more in depth, because I'm sure there is a lot more to say, where should they find you? Listen, if you want, if you have any intel about Marjorie Merriweather Post or the War of 1812 or Will Smith's memoir or anything of the kind, please find me on Instagram at Mimi Mahoney. Or on Twitter at Mary Mahoney123. And now, Allison, if people would love directions how to find War of 1812 Reddit if they're brave enough to engage that, um, yes. or War of 1812 TikTok if they're brave enough to engage that, or you know anything of the kind, where can people find you? You can find me and my eight really weird TikToks. On TikTok, actually, I'm very easy to find. I don't post very much. But mostly you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Horitz. You can also follow the show at A Girls Pod on Twitter. On Instagram, we're American Girls Podcast. And we do also have a website where you can find all other ways to contact us, including P.O. Box. Mail has improved significantly since Caroline's time. So we sure. do actually receive the things that you send us and we love them very much. Yes. Thank you so much. We so appreciate hearing from everyone all these different ways. See you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you.